everyone. This is Dr. Jack Mitchell, and I am on SBO Perspectives. It's that special perspective here with a, I mean, you don't understand, a really awesome episode today. And with that, I'm going to introduce the co-host, the esteemed John Bricado. Yeah, today we have a very unique story to be told, and we've been waiting to do this since probably June. We've, we've yeah. been trying to hold off as much as we can, but we just want to get the story out there. Today we have Giselle Benigno. She's over at City Boses. She's the coordinator of business administration, and she has an incredibly unique background. You know, a lot of what we talk about on this podcast is how people have come into the profession, and mm-hmm. I think hers is probably one of the more unique stories. So I won't give any spoilers. Please tune in. But here's our conversation with Giselle Benigno. Today on the podcast, we have Giselle Benigno, Coordinator of Business Administration at Center for Instruction, Technology, and Innovation, or better known as City Boses. Giselle, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, we've been looking forward to this for some time now. Ever since you and I, we met at the Education Summit in June, you have a really, really unique story that we were just excited to bring you on. So I know you've been prepping for a few things. We won't spoil it yet, but you've been so, so busy. But thank you for, for giving us the time today. Really, it's it's going to be a lot of fun, I'm sure. Yes, Giselle, I have to say that, you know, it all began really, again, of course, at this past June summit, the conference and, you know, meeting you and always meeting peers. I really enjoy the experience, meeting someone new, learning about them. That conversation that we had, it just was unreal. And I said to myself, right away, I think I left you. We were all, I think, in the, we were downstairs in the bar after session. And I, I saw John. I said, John, I just met somebody. <laughs> you ran over to me. You got to, you got to, you got to come said, meet this woman. <laughs> I said, yeah, listen, I think this is somebody we should have on because her story is so unique. She's great in the personality. And so here we are. I just was so great that again, I won't like to give it away. There's so much that we learn in conversation. So we're, we're glad to have you on and again, we thank you. So so great. So with that, you know what, I guess it's probably better to just kick off, kick this off without having like just answer a question, a question, but maybe just say, you know, if you could maybe tell a little bit about yourself, just so all listeners know about you and your background. Sure. So I'm a Canadian citizen who recently applied for my U.S. citizenship and I'm having my my big test on Wednesday. So wow. uh, the goal yeah, there, after, I know, right? After 32 years in the U.S., my you know, people say, why did you wait so long? Because I really didn't need to. I was paying taxes. I, the only benefit you don't have as a citizen when you're a legal re- resident alien is the right to okay. vote and the obligation to serve on a jury. Uh-huh. So I really didn't miss that jury thing. <laughs> yeah, but I'm would? really yeah. missing that voting thing. So so the United States will take your money. You just, you yeah, know. Oh, yes, for life. For life, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Even if I went okay. back to Canada or somewhere else. All of my earnings are forever taxable by the U.S. government, which is oh, how nice. fine, which is okay. okay. Uh, but I, I came to the U.S. in the 1990. I, I, I followed a man in the diamond ring. I, I taught my girls that you don't need to, you know, the jewelers will sell diamond rings to girls as well. Um, <laughs> uh, because, of course, we, we are no longer together, but we, we do have three wonderful children together. But when I came, I had, when I met my husband, I was running a clown business. So I was a a professional clown. And I I worked in Ottawa from 85 to 90 as a professional clown with a business partner. Okay. And at the time it was, it wasn't as popular as it is maybe today, but I actually had some fame as a clown in Canada. I was, you know, the master of ceremonies for the Olympic torch relay in 88. My business partner and I, we had a thousand square feet of 
retail space in downtown Ottawa, tons of employees. And we really specialized in doing large stage magic shows, a crazy specific amount of balloon animals. We, our tagline was always, we can make any animal in the whole wide world. And, and our claim to fame was face painting. So we did really very, very unique makeup. And people always look at me like I'm a little bit crazy until I say, well, we, we were in 1990, we were bringing in a quarter million a year. It, it wasn't wow. like happy, you know, Jojo's <laughs> coming to the party. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's um, it really good. was kind of a corporate structure. So, you know, my, my schooling prior to that was I have a BA in linguistics from Ottawa University. Okay. And so when I came to the States, I came because my husband was an attorney and for him to come to Canada would have meant more school. Whereas me and my clown suitcase, you know, I could kind of come Pack it up and go. Yeah. Pack up and go. I can, I can play my trade anywhere. And and that turned into having children and being at home and waiting for my green card, which which took a little while. Okay. And while I was waiting, I got a call from the Canadian from the International Festivals and Events Association, who discovered that I was in New York and said, "Hey, can you start a New York State chapter for the New York State Festivals and Events Association?" I said, sure, I'll I'll do it. Can I work from home? Yeah, no problem. Nice. So I was already self-taught on computers, Corel Draw, Word, Lotus, all that stuff. So I started the chapter. I had a membership of about seventy-five. That grew to about one hundred and twenty-five festivals, and that ranged from the Macy's Day Parade to the Buckwheat Fest in Penyan, to the Lilac oh. Fest in Raja. It, like, it, it was, it was amazing. And then eventually I went like, I want a real job. So I did that like for four <laughs> years as a volunteer. And then I went to work at a ski resort as a special events coordinator because that all kind of follows. And it was a great job. I, I, I loved the job. I wasn't so crazy about my, my immediate supervisor. And eventually I just went, this isn't for me. And I quit with very, very little notice and, and kind of went home and said, I need a job that's going to use all of my skill set. And okay. I, I interviewed for about two months and I ended up being, I went into New York State ASPO, now ASPO New York, as the Director of Communications and Membership. Oh. So you actually worked for the organization? Oh, yes. Wow. For almost okay. five years, just short of five years. And within like three months or four months, they made me the assistant executive director because wow. it was a, a tremendous a time of change at ASBO. George Perry was the executive director. He had been there for some time. Mm-hmm. We were a small office staff. I think I was a staff member number four and then staff member number five came on board. Mm-hmm. But their web page was a single page that scrolled forever. So we changed that. <laughs> And I put in some some membership like recruitment and and you know just some communications with them. I changed up their communications sure. publications, and I set up their sponsorship programs, which still endure today. Wow. And after five years, I was recruited here at Boces. So it's been 19 years. I'm working on my 19th year here now, and it's definitely it's you know it's very hard to explain to people. No, I don't have a master's. I'm civil service. I have a BA in linguistics and I used to be a clown. People remember the clown part. You know? <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that definitely was kind of my antenna. No clown around. Because yeah. <laughs> like, like Jack was saying, when he came over to me at the June summer, he's like, <laughs> he's like this woman, Giselle was a clown and now she's in school finance. I'm like, I need to hear the story. So <laughs> that was a big transition. It oh was. My gosh. It was. So yeah. you, you just, you took us through your, your amazing career so far. So when you look back at, you know, running the organization, when you know, you were in the clown business to the ski resort, to working at ASBO, how do you think those prior experiences really molded your understanding and how effective you are today as, you know, in school finance? 
Oh, so, so to just clarify, my role here when I first came was really a 50-50 role. I was replacing a business official who had been doing 50% of her time as a school business official with an assistant superintendent for administrative services above uh-huh. her, and who also did 50% time running an arts and education program. And so when I came in, I came in as value added because I could do the, they, they thought I could do the 50% business official side, but I, they also had a PR service that was in desperate need of help and a print mm. shop that needed help. And those were two areas I was very, very comfortable in. So, you know, initially when I started, my three tasks were to kind of fix those three programs, the business office, which had had a significant amount of turnover and really wasn't as, as modern as it could be or as open as it could be. So, you know, I was very fortunate that when I came, like any other job I have, I've always been allowed to be very successful because I was supported and able to bring to the table all the skills I had, not just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one limited set of skills. So, you know, I, I think that I, I, I was able to show everything I had and, and, and grow and bring in change, which is, you know, change is hard. No, Always, yeah. I like to embrace change, but you know, there's, there's a way to get to change that mm-hmm. is e- easier than others. Of course. But, and they need, they needed somebody like you, you were instrumental, uh, you know? I'd like to think so. I mean, we've, we've come a long way. You know, we went from a business office that used to be the, the not so publicly known. This is not how you use WinCap example in WinCap trainings. You know, like we knew mm. the bad guys, yeah, now okay. stars, you know, now, now I train and I go help people. And, you know, we really are the super users of all the modules, which is pretty awesome. good. So that was a, a big switch. And all of my staff is now very you know, savvy and comfortable. And we've built redundancy in all the chairs, which we didn't always have, which means that people can take vacations and not feel like the whole yeah. world is going to fall. Yeah, so yeah. that's key. Definitely yeah. feel that. Well, we'll get, you know, this is good to hear that. I just wanted to kind of maybe get back and switch gears a little bit. I know you, you mentioned, uh, Giselle, you have strong Canadian roots. And so I've always been kind of, I guess, curious here about the collaboration. I know some colleagues upstate, they talk about even doing purchases across lines. But do you feel that or do you see any potential in the future for, I guess, collaboration internationally with school districts? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, ASBO International is is in itself in, in existence because that's kind of a it's it's a precursor to all good things, right? The, the mm-hmm. more we look at each other and how we do things differently and the same, the more we can learn from each other. When I was at ASBO, there was actually a delegation of people that came from the Ministry of Education from the province of Ontario. Wow. They were doing some kind of study. I wasn't really involved with the conversations, but they were coming to see how it works yeah. in New York and how it's different because school districts in Canada just don't work the same way as they do here. It's mm-hmm pretty different both geographically and in in administrative structure as well okay. but you know I, th- I think now BOCES very recently I don't know in the last eight years nine years maybe uh, there's been legislative changes that allow a BOCES to actually a BOCES to actually offer services cross-border as really? long as it's a contiguous border right oh, so like, wow, I did not if know you that. Were, if you were in I don't know Westchester you probably can't do it but if you're in St. Lawrence Lewis Jeff Lewis any of the counties that kind of touch the borders border. I are permitted it. to do it with certain limitations. I'm not sure what all of those limitations are, but there are. 
so I, I think that that's happening slowly. Education okay. moves slowly as a rule. Yeah. Uh, pandemic mm -hmm. has t taught us that we can move fast. Yeah, <laughs> but definitely. prior to that, education tends to roll a little slower than other industries, I think. Well, I mean, that's really encouraging to hear that, you know, I didn't know that legislation was there that both these were able to interact across the border. And I mean, why wouldn't you? Because, you know, when I was in Buffalo, Canada was just across the river. So it didn't feel right. like another country. It was just a 15 minute drive. So, right. you know, why have these, you know, made up borders when we can actually be collaborating with our partners to the north? So that's that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and it would, it would be worth looking into because I think that it had to do like the, the allowances were it had to be for something student related and it had mm -hmm. to be something that the students couldn't get otherwise. And there mm -hmm. was value added in doing a cross border. Wow. That's 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 really cool. I did not know that existed. But you, mm -hmm. you did make a, a good point, even even though the education systems might be different, I think as school finance officials, we all share some kind of common thread, whether mm -hmm. they be successes or challenges. But right. I want to know from you, what are kind of the biggest challenges that you've faced throughout your career? Um, specifically, maybe not so much in the clown biz, but more so in the school finance. You know, I could talk about clowning all day long. Yeah. You know, some of the biggest things were change. We're really change. We're, mm -hmm. we're very adverse to change. We get comfortable in what we do and how we do it. And we know it works. So I just you know, so implementing WinCap to its fullest was a challenge. Yeah. I had a lot of people who said WinCap can't do that. And I would go, mm, I think it can. <laughs> okay. And then we would explore together. And that's how we did it. We, we brought an HR office in with a business office, key staff. And, you know, it's, we're seven years in the process, but we're really kind of, you know, star WinCap users now. That's a big that's a big feather in our cap. The other one is the rebranding of the BOCES. When, when BOCES was undergoing its first capital project in decades, you know, administration saw it as an opportunity to maybe rebrand and help change a very stagnant BOCES is only for exceptional ed thought that really existed in the county. I'm sure we're not alone that struggled with that, but to have been supported in leading that rebranding and having an awesome team behind me. I mean, we we pulled it off in less than a year and it, it's, you know, there's been no looking back. It's been great. Wow. Sounds, sounds so good. So I, I probably maybe want to even ask you this because you, you've done so much. And I think that when I look back to just having an initial conversation with you to now, to hearing all these other things that I didn't even, I'm learning so much more, you know, I got to ask, so what are you most proud of as an SPL? You've done so much in your career, but what stands out the most? You know, all of it. I know that's really silly, but the small wins are just as important as the big wins and the mm -hmm. small losses are just as impactful as the big losses. You know, nothing, nothing comes in isolation, it all comes in context. So some of the biggest work that I had to do that I had to have administration help me with, because I was a young manager, and some of the mistakes that I made as a were not as such a young manager, I was here for already 10-12 years, and I was still learning and I could mm -hmm. still say that I'm coachable, I'm still coachable, you know, and mm -hmm. that's, I'm a lifelong learner, and I'm, 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 I'm coachable, I think those are really that's important the things to have. Okay. Uh, I had one employee say to me once, you don't care about us, which is if you knew me, you, you knew that like, I kind of I'm all work and all business at work, but I'm, I'm, I'm very, very 
you know, caring about people and what it means. And I think a testament to that is that my ex-husband had a massive stroke five years ago, and I, I still take care of him every day. I, you know, he's in a nursing home nearby. And I, mm-hmm. people go, why do you do that? And I go, well, because, you know, at some point he was the love of my life. He's also yeah. the father of my children, but most important, he's a person. So he shouldn't be right. alone. Right. Right. So when a staff called me out and said, you don't care, I was like, what do you mean? And they said, you walk by our desk and you say, how was your husband's surgery? And you keep walking which was 100% true. This employee just called it exactly like it was because I was always running. I was always in a rush and it made me stop. And it made me realize that I needed to stop and invest in my people. And not that my intention was any different, but I needed them to actually understand how genuine it was. And so some days I leave at eight and nine because I had maybe two half hour conversations. That's yeah. okay. I was still going to leave late anyways, because that's the job. The job is you you do what you need to do until the work is done. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> just, I have to tell you, I love your disposition. You know, I, I wish more people adopted your mindset and approach to to getting things done and that change is okay. And people matter because I think that is so, so important. And I think we get so lost and caught up in just the technical pieces of the work and what you said, celebrating the small successes just as much as the big successes. And that those little, those, you know, little stumbling blocks could just be as impactful as like the bigger ones. That's such a great mindset. So wrapping up here, what piece of advice would you give to any business official, whether they're seasoned or they're they're entering the field in you know a couple months i i I think it touches really on what we were just saying is that like everything matters it all matters you can't have just one shining apple in your basket if you have all the apples around it are in various forms of rot (laughs) it's not going to help you right so every little thing, every big thing matters. We all know millions of dollars. We all know writing those big checks. We all, we all know the lawsuits, the insurance. We, but in the end, all of the good things that you put in your basket end up being a good basket, right? Yeah. You have a healthy basket. So. Well, some really great sage advice, Giselle. And seriously, thank you again so much for your time. You're most um, welcome. This is, you've been one of our more unique stories <laughs> on this podcast, and we're so excited to get it out for everyone to, to absorb. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh um, and good luck. What, thank Wednesday you. Thank you. on your citizenship? Wednesday test? morning, 9.15. You'll ace yep. it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No worries well, about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for your time today, and uh, we'll be in touch. It was great speaking with you. Awesome. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Jack, I think that's probably one of the most unique stories we've heard. <laughs> I got to tell you, let's seriously, all, all just aside, you know, all clowning, clowning right? Uh, yeah, no clowning around but, here. But what I want to say is this may have been probably the best story that we've covered because, you know, it's always interesting, right? Talking to somebody, how do you get into business? Because as we know, we've, we've mentioned this many times, it's not something that folks know about, right? They kind of fall into or they come into later part of careers. Yep. But just, you know, just imagine the different skill set and the different time frame, and also different country. Yep. And so going through all that, making a transition she did that is amazing i mean the story if it if it doesn't number one provide motivation for others you know give the impetus for folks coming into the business it could definitely for us understanding how the littlest things that we have we picked up in, in our lives are all instrumental in helping yeah, they all translate right 
yeah to, to what we do now so this is this is a really good episode and also learned we learned something about canada too in the lines that, that was interesting too with the both yeah. right yeah uh, so this is hopefully you get a lot out of this and we appreciate of course your support and listening so with that john i guess we'll take them out i mean we have such a great store lineup you know wrapping up this summer it's going to be so much fun you know i i just i can't wait and then you know going to conference actually it's next month now wow i can't believe yeah it's september september we gotta i gotta book my flight (laughs) i gotta look forward to that so with that we thank you again so yeah thanks everyone we'll see you next week